Hey, you are watching and listening to the Emerge podcast with Ashley Henderson. The Emerge episodes will be uploaded on a weekly basis to help you achieve personal growth, discover your entrepreneur skills, and stay inspired with Christian motivation by discovering that the Bible was and still is very relevant. Be sure to like, comment, and subscribe to the Emerge podcast so you don't miss weekly videos on inspiration and encouragement. All right, let's tune in to this week's episode. Let's talk about enemies and how they plot against us. They tell lies on us. They hate to see you blessed and they don't want you to succeed. But why do we have enemies? Where do they come from? First of all, you don't have to make enemies and you don't have to do anything in order to have them either. Sometimes people will not like you for no reason. Sometimes people will not like you because you carry yourself well and you want to be somebody. If you don't go along with the crowd when they do wrong, it makes them mad and they become your enemies. Some don't like you because they see the Lord blessing you and you have the favor of God on your life. And some don't know why they are your enemies. They just don't like you. It's important to know that enemies come in more than one way. Sometimes the enemy is within ourselves, our flesh. But with external enemies, Satan will make sure if you are a believer that you will have somebody that will try to do you harm. But remember this, we are on the winning side. So let's not be naive. God's people are targets. And yes, we have targets on our backs. When you represent the cross and what it stands for, be ready. Folks will see you coming and then they'll go other ways and they don't invite you to gatherings. Then they all of a sudden forget to call you. They don't speak to you and they do devilish things against you. There's a target. Satan hates God and he hates us. If it seems your adversaries, enemies, or antagonists have the upper hand, keep trusting God. Don't take matters into your own hands by seeking revenge. That belongs to God and God alone. God rises up to vindicate those who put their trust in him. Remember, revenge is taking matters into our own hands to satisfy our pride and bring glory to ourselves. But waiting for God to vindicate us is putting our trust in him to get his glory out of our situation. Our enemies will witness it while our supporters praise God. So, let them scheme, plot, conspire, mock, even strike you. Let them fire you. Let them abandon you. Let them accuse you. God loves to silently watch the behavior of man because he's preparing a table in the presence of your enemies. Now let's look into a well-known story in the Bible. I'm sure some of us are familiar with the story of Samson and Delilah, but I want to discuss how God used Samson's disobedience as an opportunity against his enemies, the Philistines. Now, the Philistines were enemies that God intentionally and continuously used to humble the people of Israel for throughout the Old Testament. The Israelites, like many of us, would catch cases of amnesia by disobeying God's commandments. In the book of Deuteronomy, God warns, you must not intermarry with them. Do not let your daughters and sons marry their sons and daughters, for they will lead your children away from me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will burn against you and he will quickly destroy you. This is what you must do. You must break down their pagan altars and shatter their sacred pillars, cut down their ashram, and burn their carved images with fire. 
I want to strongly encourage anyone who comes across the Emerge podcast to read the word of God for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what he wants you to know about the scriptures you've read. Samson's story begins in the book of Judges, chapter 13, and ends in chapter 16. The Holy Spirit is guiding me to read a few verses from each chapter, and I'll be reading in the English Standard Version. So let's begin with the 13th chapter. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord gave them into the hand of the Philistines for 40 years. There was a certain man of Zorah of the tribe of the Danites whose name was Manoah. And his wife was barren and had no children. And the angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, Behold, you are barren and have not borne children, but you shall conceive and bear a son. Therefore, be careful and drink no wine or strong drink, and eat nothing unclean. For behold, you shall conceive and bear a son. No razor shall come upon his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite to God from the womb, and he shall begin to save Israel from the hand of the Philistines. So we know that Samson is a Nazarite, and the angel of the Lord visits his parents, tells them that the Lord has set him apart and will use him to save Israel from their enemies. The angel also instructs him to never cut his locks. We'll see more about the Nazarite vow later, but let's keep reading for now. Now continuing in the 14th chapter, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. But his father and mother said to him, Is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go to take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. At that time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Continuing with verse 5. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah. And behold, a young lion came towards him, roaring. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his mother or father what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman, and she was right in Samson's eyes. Now we know for certain that the promise of the Lord to avenge his people has been fulfilled because Samson thinks he's grown enough to talk back to his parents. We also see that Samson has a weakness. One can only assume that this Philistine woman he saw down at Timnah was beautiful, according to verse 3, when Samson said to his parents, Get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. This is actually a self-centered demand that contrasts with Deuteronomy 6.18 that says, And you shall do what is right and good in the sight of the Lord, that it may go well with you, and that you may go in and take possession of the good land that the Lord swore to give to your fathers. But let's continue reading. Skipping down to the 10th verse of the same chapter, His father went down to the woman, and Samson prepared a feast there, for so the young men used to do. 
As soon as the people saw him, they brought thirty companions to be with him. And Samson said to them, Let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within the seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you thirty linen garments and thirty changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me thirty linen garments and thirty changes of clothes. And they said to him, Put your riddle, that we may hear it. And he said to them, Out of the eater came something to eat, out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days they could not solve the riddle. On the fourth day they said to Samson's wife, Entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you in your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? And Samson's wife wept over him and said, You only hate me, you do not love me. You have put a riddle to my people, and you have not told me what it is. And he said to her, Behold, I have not told my father nor my mother, and shall I tell you? She wept before him the seven days that their feast lasted. And on the seventh day he told her, because she pressed him hard. Then she told the riddle to her people. And the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? What is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my riddle. And the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and he went down to Ashkelon and struck down thirty men of the town, and took their spoil, and gave the garments to those who had told the riddle. In hot anger he went back to his father's house, and Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his best man. All right, so a few things to unpack here. First, Samson has now married this Philistine woman he saw down in Timnah. As we continue reading, we can see the seriousness of God's commandment that was mentioned earlier found in Deuteronomy 7, 3, and 5. Samson's wife was a weak spot, and the Philistines knew this. She was able to persuade him into giving the answer to the riddle, an answer that he hadn't even told his parents. Lastly, Samson was strong. The Bible tells us that the power of God came upon him, and at this point in the story, Samson had taken down a lion and killed 30 Philistine men with nothing but his bare hands. But let's continue reading. Now moving to chapter 15, verse 14. When he came to Lehi, the Philistines came shouting to meet him. Then the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and the ropes that were on his arms became as flax that has caught fire and his bonds melted off his hands. And he found a fresh jawbone of a donkey, and put out his hand and took it, and with it he struck a thousand men. Two times we see in the same chapter that the Spirit of the Lord rushed upon Samson, and that Samson was able to triumph over his enemies. Now in chapter 16, Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, and he went in to her. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here. And they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he rose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city in two posts, pulled them up, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in the front of Hebron. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him, and see where his great strength lies, 
and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. We're about to see how Delilah seduced Samson three times, but it was the fourth time that her betrayal was successful. Let's continue reading. Verse 15. And she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have mocked me these three times, and you have not told me where your great strength lies. When she pressed him hard with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. Vexed meaning to nag, irritate, anger. But continuing with verse 17, and he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent out, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. Verse 20. And she said, The Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as, I will go out as at other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And the Philistines seized him and gouged out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with bronze shackles. And he ground at the mill in the prison. But the hair of his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. We can start to see that Samson began to believe his strength was his alone, that he could rely on his own muscles and power. And this begs the question, was Delilah Samson's greatest weakness? Samson was strong. Time and again, the Bible tells us that the power of God came upon him and he was able to take down a lion and snap the ropes that bound him as though they were little strings. But somewhere along the way, Samson began to believe his own press release. He began to believe his strength was his and his alone. So coming up against Delilah, a woman no less, was a joke to Samson. He'd been able to conquer anyone else who had got in his way. He was certain Delilah was no different. What a terrible misjudgment on the part of Samson. For Delilah was not like any other woman for whom Samson had showed under contempt. Delilah was different. She was the woman who betrayed Samson to the Philistines. Let's wrap up the story with the death of Samson. Verse 23. Now the lords of the Philistines gathered to offer a great sacrifice to Dagon, their god, lowercase g, and to, rejo- and to rejoice. And they said, Our God has given Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God. For they said, Our God has given our enemy into our hand, the ravager of our country who has killed many of us. And when their hearts were merry, they said, Call Samson that he may entertain us. So they called Samson out of the prison, and he entertained them. They made him stand between the pillars. And Samson said to the young man who held him by the hand, 
Let me feel the pillars on which the house rests, that I may lean against them. Verse 27. Now the house was full of men and women. All the lords of the Philistines were there, and on the roof, and on the roof were about 3,000 men and women, who looked on while Samson entertained. Then Samson called to the Lord, capital L, and said, O Lord God, with a capital G, please remember me and please strengthen me, only this once, O God, that I may be avenged on the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson grasped the two middle pillars on which the house rested, and he leaned his weights, and he leaned his weight against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. Then he bowed with all his strength, and the house fell upon the Lord's and upon all the people who were in it. So the dead whom he killed at his death were more than those whom he killed during his life. Then his brothers and all his family came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtual in the tomb of Manoah, his father. He had judged Israel 20 years. Here in Judges 16, 17, Samson reveals his level of understanding. He knows about the vows that have set him apart from his mother's womb. This means that he has been violating them deliberately and unrepentantly. The means of repentance for breaking of these vows have been set out in the book of Numbers chapter 6, and Samson has ignored them all. Furthermore, he knows that his source of strength, the spirit, will depart from him if he breaks the one vow so far unbroken, that regarding his hair. Even being blinded and held prisoner does not bring Samson to repentance. In his final prayer, he requests from God no forgiveness or expresses no contrition. He asks only for one last burst of strength so that he can get revenge on the Philistines for what they did to him. Despite Samson's humiliation, his life ended with vindication. His hair grew back and he slaughtered 3,000 Philistines, more than he had killed during his life. And even though his mistakes and sins are so clearly presented in the Old Testament, he is named amongst the heroes of faith in the book of Hebrews 11.32. Remember, like any other promise of God, they require obedience on our part. If we are unforgiving and unloving toward our enemies, the promises are off the table. If we are worried trying to take justice into our own hands or gossiping about the situation, no deal. Stay in obedience and let God deal with your enemies. And I know as a believer, we will always have enemies. And for every enemy that you have, know that Satan is the influence behind it. It's not them as it is so much him working through them. He wants to discourage you from serving the Lord, cause you to give up on God. He wants to make us ineffective, but we've got news for him. He won't win. Be patient and trust God in his timing he will get glory from the anointing on your life and your situation. Keep planting seeds of faith, seeds of repentance, seeds of salvation, and seeds of much good fruit. You don't have to avoid your enemies. Stay strong and work on your purpose.